this is Matt Lesniewski, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Good enough for me. <laughs> is, that, is that just me that I uh, was just that's it for that one? No, I have very discriminating taste, and that was yes, good, I know. Which is like, yeah, it's good enough. It's all that matters, right? I mean, being good enough for you is probably better than what most people deserve. So, I mean, I, I'm fine with it. Oh, they deserve it. it. That's great. They deserve everything. Everything they're going to get. Depends on who we're, depends on the day we're talking about. Talking about our listeners, yes. Right. Social commentary so early in the episode, I'm a scared. What's gonna happen? <laughs> There's been nothing but the, listen. The bonus po- content will be social commentary. So nice. Yeah. Hey everybody, write this down. It's eleven o'clock comics episode seven hundred and sixty-five, and I am Vince B. Ooh, you are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am Sardath. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you're not. You're Jason Wood, everybody. All together. Science Minister Sardath. You're not, though. You're not. You're Jason Wood. I says so, yes. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to put on airs to get cheap comic books, graphic novels, and all the other stuff. That's in the previous catalog. All you got to go is discount comic book service. DCBService.com. Have the books you want at the price you want to pay. It's getting short, man. The month is grinding to a close. And you better get there soon to uh, reap the rewards. And there are three. Such as, from Vault Comics. Brand new series. It's called We Ride Titans, number one. Written by Trey Dean. With art by Sebastian Piri. It's Kaiju, it's Giant Max. What more do you need to know? Three ninety nine cover price. You can have it for a dollar ninety nine. I am a creature of habit, and I, therefore I do not mind repeating myself. So if you order only one single issue from this previous catalog, make damn sure that it's Carl Slominski's Cult of Icarus. Because it's Carl and he's awesome. I got my Evermore Falls in the mail this week and it is a gorgeous little bastard of a book i can't wait to jump into it but uh cult of victor icarus here was written with jenna lynn wright and carl did the art and it's amazing and it's got vampires punk rock what just order it 3.99 cover price 40 percent off for you because you're smart two dollars and 39 cents and last but certainly not least the second thing you should order after you order cult of icarus you should order this from Seven Seas, it's the Common Rider Classic Manga Collection hardcover. It's a massive tome. I think it's like 800 pages. It's amazing. Uh, $32.99 cover price, which is good for a book of this size in hardcover format. I wouldn't mind, but uh, I'm not going to pay that because I'm going to get 30% off and pay $23.09 because... I'm locked in, dcbservice.com. Like, I know that they're going to give me the absolute lowest price possible. And I'm going to get it when I say I'm going to get it. And it's going to come in a nice box all wrapped up nice and safe and secure and ding dong. That's how it happens. Just do it, dcbservice.com. 
Well, there you go. That's it. That's all I'm she wrote. Ordering I gotta say, yeah, I gotta say they uh, the changes continue to be foot in the comics business part of uh, things. The uh, you know the final order cutoff. Marvel just changed the final order cutoff to uh, thirty days prior, which uh, I think most of our listeners know what that means. But for those that don't. Uh, basically, retailers have until the final order cutoff date to make any last-minute changes to their pre-orders, uh, and the reason, uh, you know, that's just until it's locked and loaded. And and for a long time, it's been th- three weeks before, uh, you know, shipment, right? So, and now they've Marvel's changed it to thirty days, and you may say, well, what's another week? But it's like a huge difference to the retailers because. Uh, the the thirty days means that effectively for most comics they will have no data about the prior issue's sales before they have to decide the next issue, and that's a huge huge issue for retailers, you know, because it's like as we know, like most most comics don't uh, don't go up in sales month uh, issue over issue, so they would, you know, they'd say okay, uh, we we sold thirty seven copies of Thor number twenty five this month, so we're going to order. You know, 39 copies, you know, a couple for the shelf. Now they're going to have to guess. And, you know, with new with comics that are like first issues, that's super, super risky because it's like, you know, let's say uh, you know, big event number one, they order what they order. And then if it's not what they thought it was, how how far do they adjust down for for issue number two? So, you know, in the past, they at least had a chance of having one week's worth of sales data and uh, had gotten used to using that as a forecaster. Now they're not going to have any data. It's uh, it's pretty tough out there for comic book retailers these days, including our friends at DCB Service. It's true. Um, wh- what could be the compulsion to change the date like that? Um, I think it's it's not nefarious. I think it's endemic of the you know you can't probably anybody that's at, that you can't go any you can't go a day now without reading about supply chain issues in oh. any 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 business. And I just think right now it's it's so hard to um comfortably get stuff printed and shipped in time that they they need the extra time themselves so like i don't necessarily think it's nefarious but but uh ultimately it's the retailers are going to get kicked in the taint you know and and um i mean uh dcbs will be okay because they don't really carry inventory you know like they they don't they don't they don't have like they don't have a store shelf where they're trying to figure out it's basically 100 percent subscription so for them, it's not a big deal. It, but what I do think, what prompted me to talk about this is that we often talk about how uh, they happily accept late orders. And I'm sure they're not going to stop, but I do think there's a good chance that uh, they may have to change like how how often or willing they are to take late orders. Or more likely, whether or not late orders will have, like, you'll be able to get fulfilled. Right. You yeah. Uh, I mean, you, yeah. Can, you can you can ask for it. Doesn't necessarily yeah. mean you're going to get. I think more right. and more you're going to have a chance of if you don't submit by the date, whenever it is, you know, third week. Like you're you're just going to have a much greater no answer of no when they when you ask for stuff. So just be prepared out there. If, if you're someone who's perpetually late submitting your order, you might want to think about trying to uh, to push it up a week. Yeah. And if you're like me, uh, a waffling asshole. And you don't click order, and you think about it, and then later on you're like, "Oh, should have added that to my order," and try and con- like just order it. If it looks good to yeah. you, just order it, and then you're safe. It's the simplest thing. I mean, this is not like cutting edge technology or customer service, but I adore that they send an email out if you haven't placed your order by the by the yep. twenty because 
nine out of ten times I've placed my order a week or two before that. But like this month, I I made my video like October first, and I thought I placed my order, but I had forgotten to ever do it. And I got that email the other day and was like, oh great, because I, I I just assume I placed it long before that. So yeah, I love that they do remind you. Absolutely. I place my order on the day that the new books go up. You place your order before they've even put it up on the site somehow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I just like to get it in early because <laughs> I have that de- deliberation process where I go back you and would forth. Be, and, if you were an art hustler, you'd be good at – you'd be one of the few people that got Felix pages. So <laughs> you're, you're quick on the draw. Yeah. It uh, looks like – I just found out that um, – the Rift, uh, my shop is going to kind of be like DCBS and subscription only. They're not, they're really not going to order extras for the shelf. It, it's that they're not making a whole lot of money on it. So they're not there. So, I mean, nothing's going to change for me because I still I have my pull list. Anything I see that I don't get from DCBS, I'll get from them like I always do, but I won't be able to go in. And if, you know, if an Aftershock book, or a scout book catches my eye, that's not going to happen anymore. Well, from what I've seen of the shop, they're not really a comic shop. They're, no, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. they're a game it's, shop. It's, it's, it's games and, and, and miniatures and, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, and, and they're great at what they do. And, I mean, the, the Discord is constantly banging with, with people setting up games. And, and I, I've never been in the back room, but I know that the, I think the back room is actually larger than, than the the front of the store which is where all the gaming happens and uh they're they're good at what they do and they have the the customer base for it and that's great they're they don't have a ton of comic book customers um and you know and i mean they're not they still have you know their wall of trades and 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 they've got their their new collection collection so it's they'll probably still buy those but as far as single issues it's it's they're just not as profitable as it once was. Mm-hmm. If I lived as close to that place as you do, I would be there for every Magic tournament. I know you would. Uh, I'm not. I'm, there's I'm, there's not a shred of dishonesty in my my commentary here. I would be there every tournament. In mm-hmm. fact, I would probably get divorced because I would be there so much. Huh. Vince, did you see that um, uh, Hasbro Pulse has Magic cards now? No, um, I didn't. I, I don't mess with the special cards. I don't go for that secret lair crap or, or any of the mm-hmm. special. I, just, I, just give me the regular cards, and I just want to play. I think these are secret lair. I didn't mean anything to me at the time, but I think that yeah, does work a bell. I'm, yeah. I'm not a fan of that concept. I don't want to be paying more just because I got a super tricked out foil limited edition. Yeah, these are like thirty dollars a piece. Yeah, no, no, like a single card. Not happening. <laughs> it's, yeah. No, if I'm going to spend thirty bucks, I'm going to get a card that's going to help me uh, win the game. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I assume these cards would help you win a game, but. Right, I mean that's the yeah, but from what I've seen, they're just I mean, yeah. There's a lot of rares and a lot of of desirable cards in the secret layer things, but for the most part, they're cosmetic changes and, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't, not to you know point the finger at people who do indulge in that. Great, if you love it, do it. It's just not for me. Yeah, I just it was the first time I've seen it. Like I, I don't like Hasbro Pulse has never in the two or so years I've paid attention, they've never had magic cards on Pulse before, so. Yeah, and the kiss of death for me is when you throw uh, pop culture on my magic cards, like Walking Dead, 
And Godzilla, like, nope, <laughs> not having it. Uh uh-uh, uh, nope. It's, These it, are like cat themed. I don't know. If stop. Any, yeah, stop. I, don't, I, I don't know if there's any significance no. to them. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know enough about magic or or the source material of cats to yeah to say. Well, there's like a lot of cats in magic, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, I am drinking. I had a different. Uh, Whoa! Like a difficult week. Yeah. And um, I'm drinking from Victory Brewing. Uh, this is called Dirt Wolf. It's a double IPA. And I have four of them. And it's 8.7% alcohol by volume. So by the end of the show, I'm probably going to be proposing to one of you. Wow. Yeah. Hope it's me again. Ooh, I like the sound of that. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Chances are not good but i just oh, i like damn. the sound <laughs> that's kidding. hurtful well, i'm kidding kidding <laughs> that's true you got me beat there boo <laughs> <laughs> Dap, what are you drinking i uh, like i said I'm, I'm i'm fighting a cold so uh the best defense uh my wife prefers brandy i am uh going with some clyde mays straight kentucky bourbon whiskey good fun yeah it's awesome nice love it jason water uh well coffee and seltzer my man all right Mm -hmm. Uh, i ran out of coffee filters at work i didn't have a drop of coffee all day yeah you guys you just just reminded me i need to order some coffee so i'm gonna do that yeah my head was pounding by like 12 by noon i was i needed coffee and i didn't get it so could be one of the reasons why I, I had a difficult day. But we are gathered here not to talk about drinks and such. We're here to talk about the comics. And I see from the Slack here that Jason read one of the books that I read. And I want to talk about it because I was extremely surprised by this book in a very good way. Interesting. Okay. Yes, because the original was, I think, uh, a landmark book that set the tone for an entire imprint, right? It was the standard by which all books under that imprint were judged. And I am, of course, talking about Basketful of Heads. Indeed. Yes, which was a great miniseries. It was a lot of fun in a in a grindhouse kind of horror way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a sequel, and it's mm-hmm. called Refrigerator Full of Heads, Indeed. number one which is written by Rio Ewers and reminding us just how damn good he is, illustrated by Tom Fowler, with color art by Bill Crabtree. I think we should break it down a little bit for them, mm-hmm. because uh, if you've read Basketful of Heads, that um, final issue has June chucking the axe off the side of a bridge, right? Supposedly. Uh, And we should have known that it would rear its ugly head again because I think the final shot in in basket was the axe on the bottom of the the seabed, you know, with the heads and everything. So um, this miniseries picks up a year later. Yeah. And you you make the point too, it's it's for those that, because you mentioned the creators, Rio Ewers and... Tom Fowler, but it's a completely different creative team than the original. Yes, yes, Which different. Joe Hill and Leo Max. Right. I mean, Leo Max is great. 
Yeah. But yeah. I have to kneel and bow deeply to the altar of Tom Fowler because he did a phenomenal mm-hmm. job on this book. I totally agree. As you know, I was totally smitten with Leo Max with Basketful. It was the first comic work I had seen of Leo Max. Uh, and think it's great. I really do. But I have to say, like you're, like you're alluding, I... I was so pleasantly reminded of uh, how fantastic a cartoonist Tom is. Yeah, you know we've known Tom a long time. We've we've uh, well, I, at least I've I've gotten a bunch of commissions from him over the years. Um, you know, longtime listeners may not may, may remember. I mean, Tom was one of the first creators we ever had on the show. Yep, because um, we all were just in love with mysterious, the unfathom, unfathomable, which he did what 13, 14 years ago. Um, but we wow. haven't talked about him much in recent years. I mean, um, not because he's not awesome, but I don't know that he's just been maybe hasn't been doing the stuff that we've been reading. Well, you know? yeah, you weren't um, in the Valiant camp very firmly, but Tom did a, a good amount of Valiant stuff. Yeah, no, he did. He did yeah. the Quantum and Woody for a bit. Yeah, but I mean, like we haven't. This was the. I, I just was reminded of how, like, I've always thought he's a great artist, but. But I would say Leo Max was like an an A to an A plus, and and I, and this was better, and that that like it was really special. Like I, I he just I wish we could see Tom twelve issues a year on something. All the right, time. right. I think Leo Max was focusing more on the titillation. Like he mm-hmm. he he invested a lot of attention into June, which was great because she was not only was the main character, but. From a reader's perspective, like the 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 way he presented June was always in a very sexualized way. I don't mind that, right? She's a young, attractive female. Okay, great, but I don't think Tom has a whole lot of time for that because mm-hmm. he's even though he's very uh, his his uh, anatomy is very exaggerated in some spots. He's he's a very matter of fact um, illustrator. Like he's getting down what he feels needs to be get, uh, you know, laid out f- to convey what's going on in this panel. He's. I don't think Tom is uh, much for fan service. Mm-hmm. To his credit, and uh, I, I just love the man's work. I see a, a whole lot of Eisner in his work. He may disagree. I'm sure he will. But uh, I see a lot of Will Eisner in his, in his uh, approach to sequentials but anyway Mm. so here we go we're returning to brody island which is in maine okay uh a year after good old june chucked that axe uh the norse axe over the side of a bridge you really can't keep a bad penny down and um those things have a nasty habit of popping back up so um we have a young uh, couple arlene and cal marshall and they're fleeing the din of the big city for this, the simple seaside solitude. Thank you, Stan, of uh, Brody, Maine. And Arlene's a writer, and she needs some damn quiet time in order to finish her novel. So they rent a place that they hope will provide just that, right? And they get to the little um, cabin, and um, the marshals are making small talk with the owner, a man named Jerry. And showing them around, you know, he's warning them to to stay away from this uh, biker bar called the Essex. And, uh, oh yeah, stay even farther away from the water because it seems 
Brody Island is plagued by a 20-foot great white. I mean, the place is named Brody Island after all, right? Yeah. So it should have a great white. Uh, so Cal heads straight for the Essex bar, and he pisses off a bunch of bikers. Um, he's he's outside the bar, and he's he's hovering around their their hogs, and he's writing things down on a little notepad. And this this burly biker comes up to him, is like, "The fuck you doing?" He's like, "Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm a bike enthusiast. I was just taking notes." Uh, but what he really was doing was jotting down their license plate numbers. And, and I'm sure this is going to play out later. So the, the bikers chase Cal. And in order to save his skin, he runs off a small cliff and he plunges into the water. And wouldn't you know it, that cliff was in proximity to that bridge that June chucked the axe over. And um, he's, he's swimming uh, and he notices a strange glow emanating from the seabed. And uh, so uh, he's rescued by his his uh, his wife, and the the couple return to the site to investigate. And Arlene retrieves the axe, but in the process of of getting that that axe, the boat is beset by the great white that they were warned about. And you know where this is going, right? Uh, in, in desperation, <laughs> Arlene separates the shark's head from its body. And the Axis power clicks in, and now they have a ravenous, undying shark head with which to contend. And the the last page is just amazing. They have the head up on chains in the the like the garage area, and it's just like it's still alive. It's, it's like holy crap! Like where do you go from basket full of heads? Well, you know what? Let's do a shark head. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah, I thought it was great. It was it it was riveting. Like I was totally immersed in the story from page one, uh, probably because of Tom Fowler, because he's just a consummate professional and just just grabbed me by the by the collar and just pulled me right into the book. I, I thought this issue was great. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I can add much. But I mean, I I, I I'm I with you. I I thought that the first series was great. I. Uh, it was my favorite of the of the Hill House stuff. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't look. Uh, is this branded as Hill House? Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, like you said, I, I I I thought they leveled it up, and you know, if if I had one minor nit, it would be, and maybe this isn't that pertinent because maybe there aren't many people that would buy this if they didn't read the first series, but I do think it it. It does help to have read the first series because oh sure it was, a, yeah. it was a pretty crazy set of happenstance and without having read that first series you're probably wondering like what the hell is that axe I mean I know they make mention of of the axe having fallen the year before but they don't really like explain the axe or that it's a magical axe you know like you you have to kind of know that um, w- which was odd I thought just because you should never assume that that comic that the people read the comic before but. But having having read the series before, obviously it, it, that wasn't a hindrance for me. And, and I, like you said, I thought it was great. I mean, a fucking great white, it, you know, the Jaws homage. I mean, yeah, it it, it evoked. It was great. Yeah, I, the whole, I'm super on board for the whole thing. And to continue the the ramping it up thread, yours. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that name right. Yours, the writer, I would assume so. Yeah, is increasing the mythology in the full of heads universe because not only is there the norse axe uh there is another piece of weaponry 
that is introduced in the book. Uh, early in the in the the, the title, um, there's a break in, and uh, a, a family is viciously murdered, and a dagger is stolen, and you know supposedly um, uh, things are going to get really weird because it it has these a supernatural edge to it like the uh, the axe so it's gonna get messy and i'm pretty sure that the bikers that attack the husband are the are the robbers oh you think so i didn't even put two and two together yeah because because the lead the lead thief we they're all wearing masks but the lead thief is a woman and i believe if you it's the same eyes so i i think that's how they're oh, tying it all. good catch good catch yeah. so i'm guessing that maybe cal is an undercover cop or FBI oh, or something like? Why would you take down license plate numbers from a biker gang? It just and and okay, what compelled the couple to rent a boat or or take the boat that was at the cabin and go out into the the water and dive? Yeah, like and she's, she's a scuba diver too. Yeah, I mean, right. Like, oh. So she's an author, and oh yeah, I know how to scuba dive too. Like there yeah. seems to be. Uh, uh, part of the story yeah. yeah something else going on here but uh more the merrier right mm-hmm. yeah great great first issue wonderful mm-hmm. one of those words i've always misspelled what is refrigerator that? me too i always want to put the g in it the, you, mean the, you mean the d the d yes yes yeah. see i right, can't like even ridge. Yeah. yeah like ridge yeah exactly it's refrigerator. Yeah, i always say in my head i think refrigerator oh nice yeah it's a good way of doing it yeah, the, the the nickname of it always throws you off. And right. D in fridge, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And just to flesh out the title, in case you're wondering, there's um, an old refrigerator in the uh, the garage area to the cabin that the Arlene and Cal rent. So mm-hmm. uh, that's going to play out. Maybe the refrigerator has mystical powers too, because it's an. I'm when I say old refrigerator, it's like from the fifties. Yeah. It, it's the old Art Deco type refrigerator. So, yeah, this is just a really good book. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed it very, very much. I enjoyed everything I read this week. Yeah, me too. Awesome. It was a good week, yeah. That's yeah. great. What else do we have? I want to hear about the great stuff. Oh, did you have a rough week? You didn't read a lot of great stuff? Um, I mean, I, I, I read a few things that, um, like my... my um, there were things I've been reading over the past week and changed since, since we got back from, from the con as like a follow up to the things that you guys have read. Like I, I, I read the first two issues of, uh, Campisi, the, the dragon incident. Oh, it's did fantastic. you love it? Right. Oh, I love it. Right. It's, it's, oh, it's, I'm glad you like I, it. It's, it's so much fun. Uh, the patrons heard this in the bonus content, I'm sure, but I did read the first issue of chicken devil. And I thought that was a fucking hoot. I, I, I had a blast with that book. Um, see, I'm was, holding off on that. Till I hey, get what? my pa- I'm holding off on it till I get my paper copy. I can't read it digitally. No, that's fine. But I just know you talked about it on on when we were Jason's. Oh yeah. Um, so we'll definitely talk about it when you get it. Um, More then, ways uh, we can torment Jason. I mean, where's the downside? Mm. <laughs> and then, well, he'll he'll be on vacation again soon. We'll we'll. Talk I mean, I read the book, it. so it's not like I mean uh, you. That's you're true. Free to you talk did. about it. I, yeah. Uh, Righteous Thirst for Vengeance number one, which was a fantastic. That show. was hot. That was. I mean, I just and and I mean, and I even because it's not a very wordy book, and and the art just really tells the story. But but after I finished it, I then went back 
and reread it because there are everything's right there. You 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 see everything, whether it's 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 the car that was at the quickie mart and the, I'm sorry, the giant generator mart. And, and then you see it again at the bus stop, but then leaving the house and, and you, you, everything clicks when, uh, when our hero realizes the grocery list at the house kind of matches what he helped pick up. I mean, it's just, it's a fantastic setup. And, and I don't, um, you know, I, part of me is cause I haven't read any of the solicits. So I'm not, I, 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 just going by this first issue and I'm uh, I just I'm anxious for our boy because I don't know if uh, if if he's going to take matters into his own hands if if he thinks that you know he's going to be not not that anything was intentionally a frame up but I mean you know it, it's his his fingerprints are here so it's, it's just i'm i have a million questions and i'm i i'm i'm anxiously waiting for them to be answered as as the series continues um and i read the first issue of uh of soul plumber so i mean i was just which which was again which was something else that i really thought was uh was really well done it, it's it it's not something i would have read on my own without vince talking about it so uh thanks for the push but yeah that's that's something else where i just that whole the the idea of it is uh is is close to fascinating to me i just i don't know yeah. i mean this this poor schlub but i just i gotta see where we're going from here so uh there was just some catch up and then i i i noticed what you guys were reading so um like i said since i was under the weather i wasn't sure how chatty i would be so if if there were things that i could just at least chime in on with a grunt of an affirmation as as we talk about things later on tonight then then at least uh it, it would appear that i was present but um but no i pretty much everything i read over the past few days uh i really enjoyed it. i think it was a good week for all of us nice but now what did jason read oh boy what's the old boy for i, I want to hear it but it was more like an yeah, old boy. I like, know, right? Like, like, oh, like, no, oh, you, you, you read far too much into my commentary. Dap's all the same was, way. Yeah. No, well, you know, Dap is just feeding you because he loves you, but he doesn't believe that. Mm. Yeah, it's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anywho, uh, been, been just been in the in the horror mood uh, because of it being October, right? Been watching a lot of horror flicks and uh, been really been pulling together the, the horror comics that were either on my regime or that I've been had heard about and picked up and what have you. So um, read a bunch of horror stuff. And I know Vince, you and I both read something, which I assume we'll talk about later, yes. uh, which was phenomenal. But, but uh, I will mention one that I don't think either of you've read. Uh, and that is the crossroads at midnight uh, written and drawn by Abby Howard. Uh, it's um, published. I can look who's published. I think maybe a brave new world. Let me see. Oh, iron circus. Okay. Iron circus. Um, Abby Howard's mainly a webcomic creator. She's created a bunch of different webcomics. Um, Junior Scientist Power Hour, uh, The Last Halloween, and Scarlet Hollow, I believe, is her, her biggest one. And it's been a bit of a hit. Um, so this is – and I'm not sure if any of that has subsequently been published or not. Um, but I think this is her first, like, tried-and-true published graphic novel. Uh, it is um, – First of all, I got to give it props. It's it's a it's a soft cover book. The cover is fantastic, though. Um, 
it's a creepy looking eye looking through a, a knot hole in a fence with three mangled fingers uh, poking through the hole. And um, and that leads into the first story. Effectively, this is basically uh, like eerie or creepy or, or a creep show. It's five. It's an anthology that of it's five stories, five horror stories uh, by Abby. And um, and the thing I loved about it is that uh, each one's very different. And I thought they were all really well done. You know, normally when you read an anthology, you kind of accept there's like a mental contract where you just accept that there'll be you hope there's a few you love. You think there's a couple you're okay with and then maybe one's a dud. But overall, you feel like you got your money's worth. I thought all I thought four of the five stories were excellent, uh, like legitimately well executed short horror stories. Um, The fifth one wasn't bad. just not really my cuppa. But I, I mean, I thought it was well done. It just I, that one was a little bit of a miss for me. But overall, I think four out of five being excellent is is a hell of a hit rate, especially for a first time. Um, and it's, um, I mean, this definitely feels like uh, for those for those listening that that maybe aren't uh, familiar with the old EC Warren stuff, but maybe are familiar with like you're an '80s kid and you watch the creep show movies. This felt to me like a creep show movie. Um, same kind of like vibe, same kind of setting, same kind of horror. Uh, the the first story, which is the the story that uh, that the cover takes from, there's a teenage girl. She's she's basically frustrated with her parents, like many teenage kids. Her, she feels like her parents don't get her. Uh, basically, she's a, she, I, I should mention she's frustrated because she is a lesbian and uh, and they're having none of it. They're religious and uh, just dis, they're just not dis, they don't approve. So she's at her wit's end. She's goes up. She's living in a rural farmland. She goes up to the fence of her property and is laying against, sitting against it, and uh, you know, just just like decompressing. Uh, and uh, someone on the other side of the fence starts talking to her, and they become fast friends. And uh, finally, the girl wants to meet her new friend, but her the, her friend's like, "No, I, I can't. You know, I can't leave my property. I can't. I can't. I can't do it." Um, so she hops the fence. And uh, let's just say she shouldn't hop the fence because, <laughs> you know, what she thought was a, another girl on the other side of the fence that she was talking to was not exactly that. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. But but it's like legit horror. Like, it's like it doesn't – it's not a happy ending, you know, which I loved because I didn't know what I was getting into with this book. I thought, like, oh, is this going to be um, – and then there's one which I – as a kid, fun fact, I wrote a book report on the Loch Ness Monster four straight years. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love the Loch Ness monster <laughs> from like from like fourth grade to uh to to like eighth grade. I wrote a report on the Loch Ness monster. Messy so is real by Jason Wood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, like I, I've read just about every book I've ever written about Loch Ness monster, fictional or nonfiction. I have I have I've I've devoured. So anyway, oh, so this is nice. this is thematic of that. This was um uh they're living on a lock and uh, a, a girl wants to. She misses her friend, you know, her, she had a, they, like, they were friends with little Nessie. They don't call it Nessie, but it's like that kind of creature. And she misses it and she, she, she hasn't seen it in a long time. So she starts trying to attract it back to the docks because it's been a minute. And, uh, well, you know, uh, what she forgot to think about was like, these things grow up, <laughs> they grow up and they don't stop growing. 
and maybe you don't want to see it again because it's a wild creature. And uh, again, it doesn't end well for her and her family. <laughs> it's like maybe she should have just remembered Nessie from afar. Um, yeah. So, and then the creepiest one is, uh, and I'm saying I'm not. I don't know. These don't have chapter names. It's just like chapter one, two, three, four. Uh, was uh, a young woman who is uh, I don't know if she's college or I guess she's college or grad school, but whatever. She's like living in the city with her friends. And like many people living in the city while you're going to school, she's broke like no joke. So her room is pretty sparse. And she's walking back to her apartment one day and she sees someone had left a, a mattress out on the street for pickup. And uh, she's like, oh, shit, I, I've been sleeping on the floor. I could use a mattress. I'm going to get this mattress. And I know some people are sitting like thinking like, oh, that's gross. Like, who would ever do that? Like, well, if you've ever been a broke college kid, you, you might have done that. I you know, I, I, I would have been open to that back in the day. So she brings the mattress in and her friends are like, ew, like it's got a big stain on it. Like, like what's the stain from? And she's like, who gives a shit? Like it's better than sleeping on the floor. Well, let's just all say that it was definitely not a good idea to bring the mattress <laughs> in and sleep on it because it is infested with a disgusting type of flesh eating, uh, creature that, uh, basically does wonders with on her skin and uh and, and spreads from there so uh yeah so like it, it's it's just a really well done horror anthology um now it's 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 labeled uh ya like 13 and up you know and i guess that's probably true i would say like i think my 12 year old would be scared shitless of this book like i i, I if he was like gonna read it i think he would probably like definitely have issues with the book so um your mileage may vary if you if you're into sharing your comics with your kiddos if you have teenagers but but certainly any older teenagers that have at least seen some horror movies would be fine with it but i thought it was really well done um i hope that this is a big hit for abby i know it's been well reviewed and that she keeps putting out this kind of work it seems like i haven't dug into her web comics very much for when i was looking up a little bit about her knowing we we're going to talk about this on the show it does seem like she's got a taste for horror in general so I suspect this won't be the last we see of her doing horror anthologies, and I'm here for it. I'm loving the sound of this. I mean, a flesh-eating yeah, mattress? Stop. I will say, and, and I, I will say just a little caveat for you, it is a very unassuming art style. I see it. I'm looking at it right okay. now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, her art style evokes more like the slice-of-life books that you would make fun of me when I read, right? Like, like you know, teenage girl has lovelorn you know issues and it's like you know what i'm saying like like kind of straight just very straightforward drawing like the book isn't necessarily about the art it's about the story type of thing um which is why i'm a little but if you're looking at it you can be the judge i so i i don't i wouldn't say her art is jaw-dropping right like it's not like you're here for that but but that being said i mean that's not always necessary to me there there are definitely right. tons of comics where the the cartooning is is just um adequate in, in furthering the, the narrative of the story and that's where i would put this one i i don't i don't think the art is is uh is jaw-dropping by any means but it's certainly competent enough to convey the stories effectively yeah i've seen a little bit of jeff nicholson in in the work um ultra klutz through the habit trails uh yeah he has that she has that pared down um i don't want to call it simplistic because it's not but it's just a very um distilled way of rendering that uh, it reminds me of jeff nicholson so i, yeah, I, and, I think that's think a compliment it, it works for me because you have this style that looks almost like it's it's 
a YA romance book or or just like a Sunday com- a Sunday comic strip, and then you see a little boy getting pulled out of the water with an entrails hanging out, and it like nice. so, so the, the the alarming nature of those visuals is is really well juxtaposed against the average panel in the book. It nice. makes it feel a little more impactful, I think. Right, right. No, this sounds very good to me. I'm going to mm-hmm. investigate further. Yeah. Word up. The Crossroads at Midnight. Nice, nice. Um, Dap, if you don't uh, want to go, I got another number one. Go for it. I, I've been focusing on number ones for this episode. A little bit of conceptual continuity. This one's published by Oni, a uh, publisher that I don't uh, contribute much to. I wish I, 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 as this proves, I do dip my toe in the Oni waters when the uh, subject matter compels me. But uh, it's the second time I said compels this episode. But um, like, like Jonah, that's a great book. So of course I, I'm gonna buy that. But uh, yeah, few and far between in the Oni landscape. But this one spoke to me because it it is a. Uh, if not horror out of the gate, it is a paranormal-themed book. And it is written by Christopher Sibella, illustrated by Kendall Good, color by Gab Contreras, and it is called Dirtbag Rapture, number one. The setup is really cool. Uh, the the uh, center of the attention is a young lady named Kat Garcia who died after consuming a DMT-laced reefer. And prior to that, she indulged in, in far too much cocaine. She uh, seized up on the floor of the ladies' room and her heart stopped for a solid minute. Uh, luckily, Two of her co-workers were there, and they uh, managed to revive her. But the incident changed her in in very, very meaningful ways. Because uh, post-incident, Kat can perceive and interact with the dead. So, uh, more than a ghost talker, uh, as you'll see. Uh, but uh, the the mechanics of this book is really cool because Christopher Sibela uses a young ghost named Hannah to flesh out just how this world works. Um, it, it it seems that that in this reality, ghosts are tethered to the places where they've died. They could wander a couple blocks maximum uh but that's about it you know they they have to stay in the general area in which they met their demise so enter cat and cat has the ability of transporting spirits to anywhere they wish but she does it for a price and how does that work right well the dead know things where wealth can be obtained they have dirt on the living that can be used to extort wealth right very very useful information and and cat you know she she uses this like um there's one incident where she had a guy um she transported this this ghost to uh where he wanted to go and and she's like well how are you gonna pay me and and he said okay here's the deal 
my uh, ex-wife was having an affair with this person and you know they're pretty far well off so if you blackmail them I'm sure you're gonna get something and she does just that she she blackmails the woman and the woman's like Jesus Christ so she you know she cuts her a check this is how cat makes her 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 living um, dap would immediately not glom on to cat because she's not a great person um, if you can imagine, she constantly is assaulted by the the the, the spirits of the the deceased. Like wherever she goes, there are things that come up to her, and she's she's getting somewhat of a reputation as you know the the go to 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 get what you want. So these spirits come up to her, and she's like, Jesus Christ! Like just leave me alone. Uh, she likes to fly a lot because in the air she's not assaulted by the 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 voices of the spirits she's she's they they can't reach her up there so she loves to take long flights the longer the better right and she also likes to numb those voices with drugs um cat's a very large lady um she's she, i i don't want to use any of the pejoratives but um she's 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 husky Right when I was a kid, my mother would always, whenever we went for school clothes, my mother would always yell to the the attendant in the the clothing department. And they always seemed to be like a block away. She would always say, "I need a a, a boy's pants husky," and I'd be like, "Jesus, <laughs> thanks, mom. Okay, yeah, I'm husky, whatever." But anyway, cat's kind of husky because she indulges to the limits and beyond in the things that she finds uh comforting food drugs alcohol uh whatever she 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 likes to cons she consumes and it makes her feel good but anyway um so how does she transport these ghosts to where they want to go where she she has fashioned a repository for the dead in her mind there there's a a mindscape that's illustrated in the comic and there's a, a like a boarding house and it's called the the garcia arms and that's where all the ghosts reside and the ghosts check out when she's done her job well most of them she has a couple squatters in in the garcia arms that that are reluctant to leave but um so they reside in her mindscape and then when she's at the location the desired location she frees them and then you know she she gets the information that will get her um the uh compensation that she desires but so so you have this young ghost named hannah and and she's a little bit you know out of sorts and she says she was hit by a car recently and and she's just a little confused but cat notices she knows a little bit about the process she knows more about the process than other young ghosts uh, but she passes it off you know and she still, she feels something's a bit off, and it is. It is off, because Hannah's not really uh, who she says she is. Um, and, and I'm not going to spoil it for you. Suffice to say, the, the the already creatively rich possibilities for this series increase exponentially as the issue comes to a close. So it, uh, it, it, I think that it, it's a phenomenal start for this series. Um like I said, this it could go anywhere when you have someone that could actually 
take the residual essence of a person and bring it to somewhere else. You get all the stories that accompany that residual essence, right? So the the characters are always going to be changing. The book is always going to be diverse and vibrant, and 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 you know um, you're not going to be able to pin down what's going to happen next in this series. So I I think it's it's really good. Um, Kendall Good's art. You know, you may cry blasphemy, but I see a lot of Jaime Hernandez in the way Kendall um, constructs facial features and expressions. Um, and and it's, it's a Hernandez by way of um, it's, it's, it's a very stylized look that um, – I, I think once you see it, you'll be like, yeah, I see this, this, and this in this. Because it's it's very streamlined, very clean. But um, just the way he or she does the uh, the smirks and the, the uh, you know, side eyes that, that Kat frequently gives people around her, I see a lot of Jaime Hernandez in it. Um, maybe a little Nick Bradshaw and the 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 clarity of the line, the shaping of the physical features, but I I was blown away by this, and I'm I'm so glad that I ordered it in single issues because um, I probably wouldn't have read it otherwise because other you know I I'm I, again I, I'm not very willing to order trades from Oni, but that's probably on me. Maybe this is a a. Uh, a signal that I should change my perception of this publisher because they seem to be widening their scope. They're not just Rick and Morty. I mean, and they let anybody ink Rick and Morty, but no, they, they, uh, <laughs> the, aside from Jonah, they, they've got, um, I'm currently reading the second volume of, of backtrack. I really enjoyed the first one. They, um, they're the ones publishing, uh, to drink and to eat, which has a third volume coming out. They do. I mean, I do. They've they're um they've been doing a lot of uh, Jeff Parker stuff recently, re- reprinting some of his old books. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah. I um I, I definitely do spend a few minutes checking out uh, the Oni section because they they do um not everything is for everybody, but they do kind of they're they're all over the place with with the uh, whatever age you are whatever kind of you're into obviously there's some superhero stuff but i mean they've got they've they've got things that uh if people just enjoy good stories i think that's what uh i think that's that's oni's cling to fame right i i just wonder what you're gonna think of this book because it, it, as it opens she's on a plane and someone sitting next to her rubs her the wrong way and she's just a total bitch to him like just chews him out and continues on her way, right? Um, she does, like I said, she does a lot of things to excess, but she has a cat, and she loves the friggin' cat. So that may be her redeeming quality for you. I don't know. But the the character of Cat Garcia is probably not one that you're going to find compelling because she's she's abrasive. And, and um, yeah, you, you know, she's nasty. Uh, but she knows what she wants and she's she's plagued by all these spirits just wanting something from her so yeah i guess that could wear on you after a while 
So she's probably semi-justified in acting the way she does, but I, I don't know. There seems to be something else there that I'm sure will be revealed later on in the series. I, I, I just was, I totally enjoyed this first issue. I'm, I, I, and I, I remember seeing it in previews, and I did like the preview pages. Uh, but it, yeah, and it was something that, uh, yeah, it. She's definitely a character that. Um, it. Yes, I, I, I pretty sure I know what you mean, but uh, the whole concept of it, the idea of, of what I read from based on the first issue, uh, piqued my interest. Uh, it it yeah, didn't make good. the cut that that month, but um, but I'll wait for it to be collected and I'll uh, I'll check it out. It's intriguing, and I, and like I said, the uh, I think the possibilities for um, various directions in which the stories can go like it it's almost an anthology of sorts because you're getting uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to get all these different spirits that are going to enter the picture and and you know solve one problem move on to the next which is a totally different entity than the than the one before it so i just think it, the, there's a mechanic built in that that allows for a lot of diversity in the storytelling which is very welcome to me i don't want to read the same thing over and over and over much as i love john constantine there was a point in hellblazer where it was just like jesus can we have something different here it's it's relatively the same stuff over and over and over john's a dick everybody around him dies i get it right Mm -hmm. but this is it it's cut from the same cloth of sorts um, I, I, I'm assuming that people that uh, enjoyed Hellblazer would find something in this. The, the main character is certainly as unlikable as John Constantine. So, um, yeah, check it out. Dirk Bag Rapture, number one. Very, very good. I like Sibella a lot. I mean, we all enjoyed High Crimes. And I, he, and he, he tends to... It, the women he writes... Uh, whether it's in Heartthrob or even uh, Crowded, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, yeah, I, I just... There really doesn't seem to be... I I appreciate his character development. I, they, 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 yeah. they kind of... I mean, at least as far as comics go, for the most part, they feel... They read like real people. It's not such so much a comic book-like conversation. You could probably hear people really say these things in the real world right it's it i think it's a very unique slant to it but and i'm going to give you a clue as to how much the the narrative opens up at the end um if you enjoyed preacher and the concepts therein and um uh, yeah hellblazer too it's it's somewhat along the same lines there's a there's a war going on and there are opposing forces. You get it. Just, okay. Just get the issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was cool. I like Cat. I, I love unreliable narrators, right? I, I love flawed, and, and flawed's in quotes. That's someone else's words, not mine. I love the imperfect main character where they have, uh, you know, the Achilles heel and 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 things that make them not squeaky clean and not very likable that's reality right not everyone is peter parker so i i like it when the main character in a series trods a different path than 
what we've come to uh, expect from the the focus of titles. So yeah, it's really good. I'm moving on. Somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I get a feeling you like this book. I liked it very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. You know, if if it's paranormal themed. That's the first link in the chain. But there's a, a, a when she mentions DMT, she doesn't just drop the the acronym dimethyltryptamine. She she calls it the spirit molecule, which tells me that Christopher Sabella has either done his research or he knows. So. <laughs> or he's done his research. Yeah, or yeah, he's exactly. done his research. <laughs> It's, and exactly. she's like, she's like, whoa, DMT is really hard to come by. I'm like, fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> right? I'd have a freaking, I'd have a bag of it if, if I could get it. But yeah, no, very, very good stuff. Yep. Take it away, somebody. Can't wait to see you all shroomed out in Seattle. Ah. Oh. <laughs> oh, it was well, so much fun. I'm not gonna say any more about that. Um, <laughs> is there so the uh, only because it's it's new um, even though I talked about the third issue uh, a week or so ago um, I'm a little bummed the only thing that well no I don't want to say I'm a little bummed it, it's so the fourth issue of Superman Son of Kal-El um, even though the cover says it is it is not illustrated by John Timms, which hurts my heart a little bit. Um, like, boy, you can't fill out a trade, but the art is still, it, it, it's fitting for the tale and, and, uh, Daniel, the nucleo butchered the hell out of that. Uh, his, his style is kind of almost, Manga-esque in some space, in some places, but has a um, cartoony animated kind of feel, and it, it 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 works for this particular issue because when we last left our hero, after Superman flew off planet, and President Bendix was going to um, release Fault Line, which is one of the um, powered beings from. Uh, Gamora uh, was headed straight for the Kent home and um, and what was cool about the opening pages of this issue you see so it's Mom, Pa, Kent and John and Jay at the dinner table and John knows something is about to happen like there's um, it's almost like the house is starting to fall apart while everybody else is having a conversation. And, uh, and almost like flash, like speed, he, he, uh, he grabs grandma and grandpa and he's trying to grab Jay, but his fingers kind of go through him. It, it, it's, it's like, he's an apparition. And, uh, so, so John's like, all right, well, um, okay, he's powered. He'll be fine. And, and he gets, he gets mom, pa, Ken, away from the house um and 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 he says that uh you know he checks them over real quick no no trauma no lacerations everything's fine but um he's got to get back to the house and deal with this before they show up and they are the justice league because the house and the people who occupy the house 
are under the protection of the Justice League, and and nothing is supposed to happen to this house. Obviously, something did. Um, Bendix took advantage of the situation, and uh, and so there's no major fight happening at the house at Ground Zero because um, Faultline doesn't want to fight anybody. She's she because John left her at Star Labs earlier in the series, um, but all of a sudden. Uh, you know, she was blindfolded and took, they, they took her away. She doesn't know who, but she was on a plane and then she was falling, headed towards the house. Um, so Wonder Woman's mom is going to take fault line. She'll be under her protection, under her care. Um, and you know, mom, pa, can are like, you know, listen, this is a house that can be rebuilt. Everything that meant something to us, most of it all was already in storage because, you know, shit happens. Our son is Superman. So, you know, we got to be careful. We're prepared for things like this. So they're going to stay at a friend's house and um, and and John and Jay are going to fly back to um, to Metropolis. What's interesting, though, is Wally is Flash here and he um, he lets John know. He's like, listen, we haven't met yet. I'm Wally. And John's like, oh, why are you telling me you're civilian? And, and and Wally's just really cool about it. He's like, listen, I, you know, we're legacy heroes. We have a lot in common. I, I know what you're going through. We're getting ready to go through. Um, and it'll be nice to talk to somebody else who, who can uh, speak at the same speed you can think. And, and we'll be great friends. And so John and Jay meet two other members of um truth wink and um and airy uh and jay lets john know that you know he he um he kind of knows because because john jay is from gamora these these people are all from from uh we're all escaping from bendix and um and Jay's pretty much convinced that he's behind all of this, that Bendix is is manipulating things and uh, taking advantage of the situation. Um, and he's got everything written up. There's nothing he can prove. This is all just speculation, but it, it's it's a safe bet. Um, John brings this to Lois, and and you know, Mom's like, "Listen, um, you gotta you gotta think." this through you know you can't i understand your grandparents were attacked um and and john's like yeah you know if if i was a second slower they'd be dead and if dad were here and she's like listen he's not here and you know this is the president of of a country you can't just go barging in and and confront him and um but john's young and and what's John is inexperienced, but he's he, he knows, I want to say he knows his limitations, but there are things that happen in this issue that kind of prove me wrong there, but um, he is a smart kid and, and you know, he, he lets mom know I'm not going to do anything stupid, but he does go to Gamora and um, and Bendix is like I, I can't believe you do something so idiotic you know, you 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 came to my country and and john's like did you attack 
did you order an attack on my grandparents? And he's like, I don't invade. And, and, but and he's still telling you like he's calling John a child. He's like, you know, you can't you can't invade a country and threaten a head of state. And John's like, I'm not threatening you. I'm asking you a question. And um, and Bendix is like, no, man, I'd, I'd never I would never harm an innocent family. And, and you know, we're a peaceful nation. And, and John is checking out his vitals. Homeboy's lying through his teeth. Not that anything can be proved. But um, but John says he's got the answers he needs. And he's ready to leave. And as he's flying away, he hears somebody scream. And um, and it was the the young man who was setting the, the forest on fire out in California, uh, who was supposed to be kept safe. Uh, somehow, Gamora got their hands on him again. And the, it, but it was he was just bait. It was all a trap. Something happens that uh, causes John's senses to go absolutely haywire. And the issue ends with him not being able to turn anything off. But um, I know that uh, obviously this this issue and and, and the whole storyline is j- just leads into um, what the news has been talking about the past week or so. And and it's it's um, there's what this is. I just, I wish people would just slow down and and understand context and and not fly off the handle when it comes to a headline or a couple dozen character tweet and 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 the whole thing with like because because you know the motto is being changed from uh, is being changed to truth, justice, and a better tomorrow, and and people are going apeshit even though it was never original or, or what they claim truth just the american way it wasn't always that anyway but it's just something for people to get upset about um but if if jay and his friends are part of a movement called truth that that ties into the model so there's a bigger picture involved there um and and thankfully gabe the colorist is no longer going to be involved in the book so i'm i'm just really looking forward to 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 i mean i was happy with the series from jump but i'm really looking forward to to future issues hopefully i believe tim's back on with the fifth issue um but this cliffhanger this cliffhanger has me really um jones are for the next issue unfortunately i think it's going to be delayed because it is going to be recolored by hi-fi um so there's which is a delay i can live with but still it's um this is probably the uh my favorite thing I've read this week. Cool. Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, I, I get why you, you mentioned it. I like, I always cringe though at this idea that we like. I feel like you said something to the effect of like people losing their minds over it. Like, I, the only people losing their minds are the small subset of yes. internet trolls yes. who who like don't matter anyway, and it's like You're right. I almost would rather like not even acknowledge them. I understand. I mean, it's all well. No, no, so, it's not. Yeah. But it it's but it, it was enough so that um, yes, online you can find anybody talking about yeah. the, the the idiots. Talk, but but I mean enough that you know late night talk show hosts. Are yeah, no, so I get it. it. I know, I know. Yeah, no, I, I'm just saying it's like it, it's you know. I, but normally, I look, yes, forward, I, I look forward to the day when we when we stop giving 
and I'm guilty of this a thousand times over. I just like when we stop giving more power to minority opinions, and I don't, you know, I don't mean minorities, people. I mean my, like the minority, like yeah. small, like small opinions of uh, that are that are bigoted or slanted, and and are never going to change, and are always just seeking out the next thing to be offended by. Uh, you know, I, so yeah, you know, like, but whatever. No, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, we we've I think we've covered the the Jonathan Kent angle quite a bit. The last yes. few weeks, and I think we're all aligned. So, yep. um, but I, I think uh-huh. no, I, I think that the minority opinion has to be present, um, if only to be drowned out by the the uh, the the opinions of those with functioning brains, right? Or or those that are not willing to condemn something that is different from their belief systems. I guess you could say that. Uh, you need those people that are, you know, contrary because then it just fleshes out your resolve in 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 knowing that what you believe is is the truth as it applies to you. So yeah, I don't think they should go away. I think we they're, they're a necessary evil, but um, because without them, then you'd only have one way, and that's not good, right? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. No one wants to to uh, to kowtow to these people, but they need to be. They need to be there because they have they have every right to voice their opinion as you do and as I absolutely do. No, right. I, I, so I, yeah, it, it, uh, it'd be ironic to say that like I don't even know the colorist's name, but the dude that the colorist that's leaving the book, it Abel would be. Tab. It would be totally ridiculous to say he's not entitled to his viewpoint on the motto sheet. No, yeah. When, when in fact, like that would be like anathema to the very idea of like being about freedom. Like, yeah, absolutely. As long as the, you know, he, he absolutely is entitled to be offended by it. There, there's no, no. I'm not arguing with you there. Uh, I just think that, like, this is just a like. Social media, we've talked about this a trillion times, like has its pros, has its cons. But I think the thing that it did, and and it just, uh, and it, I don't know that we can put the genie back in the bottle. Is it just amplifies dissenting and and uh, often fringe opinions and makes them feel like something we have to fight back against. And in truth, that only adds oxygen to the fire. We don't need to fight back against a lot of these viewpoints because they are minority viewpoints, and they're and they're not ever going to go away completely. Um, so we need to accept that we're not going to change these people's opinions. These people, thankfully, aren't in positions of power, at least as it relates to making comics. Uh, and and if those that are in, in power are now hiding under their desks, trying to make sure no one knows they feel that way, <laughs> uh, and, and like that, that's just like that's the world, right? Like like. You hear a lot of people say like, "Oh, the world's so divisive now." It, it, the, the, it's people's opinions and disagreements have not. The amount of things we disagree about uh, has not changed. It's just we all know how each other think about everything now, so it's much easier to find people that you disagree with and then take issue with that. And it's like, you know, I mean, I guarantee you, in 1950, 52, uh, when you were at your neighbor's block party having a, a blast you know, grilling over the fire and talking about the, you know, the Eagles game, there were, these people had vastly different views about women's, women's rights, civil rights, much less, you know what I mean? Like, like, like it just, we, we just were blissfully unaware of, 
of our neighbors and community members opinions on things. And, uh, you know, there are definitely two sides to whether or not it's good to know these things, right? Like it's absolutely, because we're not going to change their minds. They're not going to change our minds. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. No, I, I think it's a lesson in learning to, um, detach, Right, right, but it's hard though, right? Because like I, I was, um, I was blissfully fine to get along with, like, say, a lot of my neighbors for years, <laughs> before yeah. I knew what they stood for. But once yeah. I know what they stand for, then I'm putting on a fake. Then I'm being fake, right? Then, then I'm like, because, because it's like, if I know you're a bigot, I, 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 I can't have a beer and a brat with you and pretend like we get along because we own houses in the same development. You know what I'm saying? But you're only fake because you choose to be fake. No, if, no. if once confronted by the truth, the way these people actually feel and believe. No, but, but it's the, what I'm saying is, is that for most of, of, of existence, you could be in that scenario and have no idea what these people's viewpoints were. Right. But once the truth is, that's my Pres- point. Right. Once the truth is presented, you can't... Right. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Right. That's the issue. Exactly. Right. So, you, so th- that's when you're at a crossroads. You either decide yeah, to 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 allow these people to spew their bullshit and you, you just... But they're not even they, spewing their bullshit, right? They're just... It's just their viewpoint. They're living you just, it, happen, yeah. you just happen to know what it is now because you know who they voted for. Or you oh, know who they... Well, like. Right. But they... they, they uh, could I ever be friends with a... Like, what if my neighbor was... Uh, to, to use a Stephen King nugget, what if my neighbor was a Nazi war criminal and I found out? Would I still... If, but that's... No, you do, that, that's the key. And you found out. Yeah. What I'm saying is, like, in any other point in our in our existence, you were... You had perfectly fine social relationships with acquaintances neighbors co-workers and everything and i guarantee you they had views that you found repugnant right you never knew and so you just existed oh i almost guarantee that all of my neighbors would find my views repugnant but, but that's what i'm saying right and what I'm but saying then that's why, the truth why that intellectually i'm all for knowing where people's really stand it certainly has changed the very current of everything that we try and enjoy or talk about. Like, oh, like, sure. like it, it, it almost is like a prerequisite now that not only can you not not only can you enjoy something, but you have to defend that viewpoint against people you think are against it. And it's like, why? Why do we need to? Right? Like, I, I like, think like, have is not George. A... This isn't George Floyd. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, in right. other words, like, 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 like if do like. Like the Van Skyvers of the world, and and these like they're they're they have these talking points, whether or not they are driven because they realize they can get eyeballs and make money off of them, or they really believe them is inconsequential. But it's also largely irrelevant. Like this is what I've been saying about CG for the last few years, and I feel I've been proven right. If you stop talking about Homeboy that makes the YouTube videos every time he makes one, if you stop talking about Van Skyver's TV show or YouTube show, if you stop talking about every time one of these guys says something repugnant, they don't gain power. Sure. Because for the years that we all talked about that dude with the YouTube channel, his numbers went from like zero to like 100,000 followers. But now that no one talks about him, he still has 100,000 followers because people have stopped amplifying his signal. Right. So it's like – I'm just saying, you know, like for me, I'm trying hard to like not amplify the signal of these clowns because yep. I'm not going to change their minds, nor do I really care to. And I just feel like, you know, and as you alluded, like they have the right to the opinion. Like sure. as long as they're not hurting someone else, they can be an idiot. Like they're fully, they are fully, it is fully within their rights as an American citizen to have ridiculously dumb uh, obtuse opinions and and have them. Like like I, I you know, again, it's, it's like when I was growing up and people was like, 
lost the rounds like burning the flag. Would I burn the flag? No, I personally wouldn't have burned the flag. I grew up in a family that was military, you know, like, but, but I, but, but that's, that is the right of a citizen to do so. Right. right. So it is what yeah. it is. Right? But I, I, I don't take issue, but the one thing that uh, the sticky point of, of what you were saying was you felt like you were compelled to defend the things that you love against these people. Like I'm not, I don't feel compelled to defend anything. And I think that's that's well, the I was lesson. Like the royal we, just like fandom, no, yeah, like, right. Like but fandom I, in general, where like we all have to, you know, we we like it's one thing to say I think it's great that DC is increasing representation and making Jonathan sure. Kent sexual. It, it's another layer, and I feel like we, well, maybe not you, but but collectively, Dap me, like a lot of our crew, like we feel compelled to then call out the ass the ass hats who say otherwise. Yeah, I, 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 I'm of the mind of like, why bother? Now? Like, I'm more of the mind of like, I don't bother. Like, it's like it's it's a guarantee their ass has to disagree. It's a guarantee that their opinions are easily uh, disputed, and we can use logic to say how ridiculous they're being. But like, ultimately, why does that matter? That just clouds the fact that like we're enjoying it. And it's a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. The, I think the lesson learned in all of this is you have to condition yourself to ignore. Does it really? Yeah, yeah. Does it really matter that these mm-hmm. these anti uh, agents know your viewpoint on this. Who the freak cares? Like you, you call out a work that I find great uh, joy in, and and you, you know it's woke. It's all this whatever the the words that they use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what you feel about it. I feel this way about this work. Your opinions on it are irrelevant to me. I don't. Whatever. Go suck a dick. I don't care. Yeah. It it, exactly. it, it matters zero percent. In in my 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 world, and I've always been this way. Yeah, I know you have. I mean, you're you're, but yeah, you're you're a different cat in that regard. Like you've been able to do that. But. Growing up as a comic book fan, you had to uh, shield yourself from. You had to have a thick skin. You had to shield yourself from the 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 finger pointers and the you know. Um, I won't use the words, but the words that were flung at you because you liked, you know, escapist media whatever mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I i really don't care how these people feel or what they think mm-hmm. it, it 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 does not register on my meter but whatever let's talk about some good stuff yeah. yes yeah well let's just I, I'll, I'll be brief here because it just came out but i, I do want to keep the dc train rolling because um i if people watch my previous videos not many of you do but but those of you that do um I often go on rants at both Marvel and DC in my absolute frustration when I open up their catalogs and I see 50 Gotham books or 40 Spider-Man books. Like it just, it's, I get it. I understand why they do it. Obviously it's all data driven. I assume it's financially smart to do so, but it is exhausting. I find it exhausting. And, um, just a couple months ago, I went on a rant about, I counted in the video, there were over 50 Batman adjacent books in one previews. And, including in that were eight or nine different um, out-of-continuity uh, event, you know, not, not events, um, books, you know, miniseries or, or, or uh, limited series uh, by different creators who wanted to strut their stuff and tell a story. And, like, my frustration is it's just so easy for that to get lost in the shuffle. There are so many – I have no doubt that, that, that some of them, if not all of them, are going to be excellent books, but no human being – on the earth can reasonably be expected to try them all. It, it, it's even people like us that, 
to spend an inordinate amount of time and money and, and obsession on the hobby, right? Um, and so, um, uh, with that said, uh, I, one of them that did pierce the ether of of uh, uh, and did seem like signal from the noise to me was Catwoman Lonely City, which is a limited series written and drawn by Cliff Chang, uh, former guest of the show, friend of the show, member of the Felix crew. I love Cliff's work. I thought uh, his work on Paper Girls was astounding. Um, I just think uh, he's a t- just terrific to me. I think he's a wonderful storyteller. And um, as we talked about with Cliff when he was on the show, he's got uh, he's really done it all in comics. He, he started off as an editor and uh, became an illustrator and, and, and a writer. Uh, so this is his his take on Selena, and it is um, Selena as an older woman. She's fifty five in this book. She's just getting out of a stint in prison for killing Batman. Um, we find out a fact that uh, she may or may not have killed Batman for real. Um, that's that is to be determined. But but she went to jail for killing Batman. She's getting out of jail now at fifty five. Um, and uh, what you know at fifty five, man, even if you're Olympic level uh, shape, right? You're not. 55 Olympic level isn't the same, right? It's, it's not, you're not, you're not the, you're not the spry superheroesque physique that you once were. And, uh, and it's her getting back acclimated to life. Uh, Harvey Dent is the mayor, but it's hard. It's two face Harvey Dent. He's, uh, he's, he's, you know, gone good, but he's got the whole mangled face and the coin. Uh, Penguin is living on his own Island. Now she, uh, she goes to see him at one point in the book for work, and he's like, uh, ah, I'm hearing things. I'm hearing about your bad hips and your knee replacement. I can't, I can't back that. It's too risky. So uh, it's, it's, I found it clever. I think his, his art is so pristinely clean that I just adore it. And uh, I thought it was a great first issue. Uh, I, I have no idea where the book's going. I don't really know what the arc is here yet, like in terms of her journey. Um it's it's it like I said the first issue is pretty much her just getting lay of the land after being out of touch for a decade. Um, not quite sure whether she's a heroine in this or a, or an antagonist. I'm not I'm not even quite sure if she's an antihero. I don't know I don't know that yet. We'll find that out. But I thought the book the first issue was terrific. And as we often say about these first issues, is the big question is, do I want more immediately? And I was I was definitely after I finished the issue d- disappointed that I have to wait a month for the next issue. So um, I'm sure anybody that's a Cliff Chang fan has already got this coming, but, uh, but I definitely give it uh, three big thumbs up. It does look really good. Yeah. 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 I have it coming. I got to wait to read it. And you know what? You got to tip the hat to Frank Miller because there's the same dark Knight talking heads in this book that they're Frank. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, okay. Uh, Hey, if you're gonna uh, use Frank as a uh, a launching point, it's just a smart move. Other than that, I, I think it, it's a really beautiful looking issue. Yeah. yeah, very smart. All right. Well, um, I'm a creature of habit, and I know I say this all the time, but what the hell? I strive for, for consistency. Censor which was written and illustrated by uh, Junji Ito, may very well be my favorite Ito work to date. Really? Yeah. Man, okay, that, that's bold. 
I don't think I can go there, but that's that's bold. I also I will say I feel like I feel like you say that about whatever Ito book you just most recently. Read. That's what I'm saying. I also <laughs> tend to right. I also tend to say yeah. that the new Ito hotness is the most disturbing of all his works. But I think that definitely applies to censor. This book is disturbing on levels that we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. But uh, <laughs> yikes. Um, and of course, it's published by Viz uh, Select. Jason, you want to? I want to hear your perspective on this book. Well, we should we should mention because I do think it it serves at least for me it served the context of the book was that this isn't a OGN. This was a serialized set of stories that he wrote over several years that he then later tried to, well, not try, later pulled together with additional pages and, and bridges to make what we got in our hands translated to English. Um, True. And if you if you read his commentary uh, at the end, and yes, I know everyone's shocked I read some some uh, some commentary by the author, but I was curious <laughs> because as I, so as I read it, I came away thinking that it felt like each chapter was connected but not fully connected in like a purely easy linear form and and i was like that's interesting like it 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 seemed intentional to me but it didn't seem like it was a purely straight line narrative where like a led to b led to c and then i read the commentary and i was like oh because it wasn't okay cool like i'm not imagining that like he he even says himself he struggled at points with how to pull it all together um because there were different ideas and then you know he so so i was like okay then then i then i feel good because i'm i'm reading it the way it was created it, i'm not imagining that right um before you move on uh yeah. from the commentary mm-hmm. the the best part of it was the fact that he said uh kyoko and wataru gave him much stress because mm-hmm. he had a plan for them and the characters right. chose otherwise. And I, I, I think that's amazing that he immersed himself in this narrative so much that the main character said, mm, that's not where I want to go. This is, this is what you have to do. And he, yeah. said, he said they became uh, very, very stressful and very uncooperative in that they they disagreed with his plans for them and they had their own narrative planned out and he was just following along that to me oh my god that is that is that alone is the reason to read the book Mm -hmm. but uh, i digress yeah we'll move on no yes so the other thing too is and this is the same for every time ito does something uh his his art is just mind-boggling i mean in every way i mean it's so detailed and but he just has a way of of personifying insanity in a face that i just don't know that anyone else can do yeah like these people you can feel that their brains are about to explode from the fear (laughs) or the confusion or the like it's just it's 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 ridiculous and i think it's in the eyes you know he does he, he just captures it in the eyes but um there are some 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 Ito tropes that that uh, are always worth the price of admission, like like when dude's head explodes from while he's dreaming and, and, and so forth. Yeah, and the spiral. 
Yeah, Uzumaki. The spiral. Yeah. Um, the thing that really fucked me up reading this is the the bugs. Oh, the suicide bugs. Yeah. The yeah. suicide bugs. Now, I don't know if suicide bugs are real. Are they real? Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. If no, not not, not as presented in this book. No. Yeah, right. Not. Okay. <laughs> but but here's the thing that fucked me up. Those things that he drew that he drew, and I don't know if this is what he was modeling. Look like cave crickets, which we have in our like we get cave crickets in the house. Uh, when we first moved in, we had a bunch, and I fucking lost my mind because I'm like, "What are these gigantic <laughs> fucking insectoids?" I am an absolute puss puss when it comes to insects. Like, I am not a fan. And uh, so, like an idiot, I bought a big house in the middle of the woods. It's smart, yeah. but um, but we have cave crickets, and now we, we get, get them too. We, yeah. yeah, we we get you know we get the we get the pest control for them, but they still like I just killed one like two or three days ago. I'm I'm used to them now after being here 13 years. They still bug me out. I kill them, whatever, move on. But there, th- this was like thousands of cave crickets, and I'm like, I could feel like if I walked <laughs> into my room and there were like a hundred cave crickets in the room, and I would fucking put the house up for sale. And like in this, there are tens of thousands that are literally running under their feet, hoping you're going to step on them and kill them. And it's like, like I can picture that as being one shift of the of the cosmic veil away from being my reality. Yeah, <laughs> it was like nah, son. Like nah, dude. But I'm glad you make that point because I think I, I'm firmly convinced that Junji Ito is the heir apparent to H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm resolute in that uh, assertion, but his st- and, it, and it's particularly exemplified by this book, Censor, that. Yeah, it it does instill a visceral fear, like like the the um, uh, professor's son. Uh, I believe his yeah. name is Yukio. His head exploding, mm-hmm. his sense sensory organs expand exponentially. So his eyes, his ears, his tongue, his nose, all protrude from his head. And if you want to see the 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 image of this go to the website 11oclockcomics.com click on the thread for this episode and you will see this panel it is extremely disturbing um but the point i'm trying to make is this book doesn't only instill like a visceral clammy you know uh nail biting fear there's that but i think ito excels at that hollow empty inescapable despair it, it's kind of like the fear of dying right or, or those times when you just you just you've, you've nothing better to do but just ponder the meaning of life and what comes after like that black pit of of insurmountable unknowns that's what ito excels at those that hollow feeling that you get when you when you just reflect on your own existence like why the fuck am i here why are we all here? What are we doing floating in this on this marble in this vast sea of black? Like what is the purpose? And what happens after? And you just feel like you just feel insignificant and devoid of like anything. That's Junji Ito. And I think this book really excels in that because the 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 concepts raised in this book they're just not they're not like uh, to to just bring up something I've seen recently, they're not like Michael Myers. They're not going to come out from a corner and scare you and stab you to death. Like that's not all 
that's not the language of Ito. The Ito language is that there's something lurking in the farthest reaches of the universe that's going to make your existence very, very bad. And it's those concepts, like how do you wrap your mind around something that originated on Earth that now resides in this this dark corner of the universe? And it has very strong sway on the way your life is going to play out. Like, what? <laughs> right? And that's that's H.P. Lovecraft. That's perfect. It, it's tuned to H.P. Lovecraft completely. But I think we should describe the book so they know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it all focuses around this young lady named Kyoko Byakuya. And she's drawn to this this volcano, this Mount Segoku. She she's compelled to go to this this volcano, and and when she's there, she she encounters um, a member of this uh, Kiyokami village, and occasionally the the volcano, well the the place is festooned with this these strand-like filaments that that the 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 denizens of this village call the divine amagami and its heavenly hair it, it, it legend uh has it that this village sheltered a fair-haired christian missionary named miguel the shogunate at the time this is like the edo era the shogunate at the time completely forbade anyone f- practicing christianity didn't want to have any of it nope you guys are get out of here. You're verboten. You know, it, it was the same as the Salem witch trials, uh, in a sense, where that they would kill anyone practicing Christianity. They just didn't want to deal with it. So this this missionary Miguel, he's thrown into the volcano, and um, the the mountain would spew, or the volcano would spew these these hair like filaments over the village. And because of the filaments, the the members of the village gained clairvoyant powers. Like they could sense what you were thinking. Um, their senses were were amped up. They they were uh, quote divinely supercharged, right? And um, so the the mountain erupts, and and the group is covered in in this divine amagami, and Kyoko gets pelted with these these things so much that she's uh, wrapped in a cocoon of this this heavenly hair, and she emerges with golden hair, and she has a cosmic awareness, much like the Silver Surfer. Right? She she can she can sense things and feel things that's far beyond the abilities of of human beings. Right? And that's where the story starts, and it just spirals out from there. Um, she's uh, tracked by a reporter, Wataru, and um, that leads to uh, uh, the antagonists of the book, which is this cult called the Indigo Shadow, and their leader, their leader uh, Kagaro, I believe his name is. And this is where my involvement in this series was locked in. The chains were applied. Um, Kagero is searching for the uh, access to the uh, Akashic records. He wants to know, he wants to tap into all of the knowledge of humanity, 
since day one. That's what the Akashic Records is. It's the sum total of everything humanity has learned um, in existence. Why does he want that? Well, um, you're going to have to read the book, but um, it's all about this there's a light in the and a dark to this book there's the light in 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 uh kyoko and the uh the christian missionary and and then there's the dark in kagero and this this cosmic thing that exists at the end of the universe and it's black and it's disgusting and it 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 manifests itself on our planet in these these black filaments but then as jason said there's a chapter on suicide bugs where um, Kyoko is is so despondent over her um, cosmic awareness that she considers suicide. So she goes to this this very popular place, this Bishagura, and it's it's a cliff, and and, and this is real. This is a real thing in in Japan, where there's there are points in which people fling themselves off cliffs in order just to end it all, but. The bugs, the suicide bugs, are the the revived spirits of the people that have committed suicide. And they literally will walk, the bugs will leap under your footsteps in order for you to smash them and kill them. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, right? And, and, and I, this, I think that... Unbelievably gross. It is. It's very gross. But The Censor is not a book that we can... It, it is prime fodder for a book of the month. Like, it's not something that we can just offhandedly tell you, yeah, go read this because it's good and this is why. You really have to experience it from your, for yourself because everything is linked. Everything is, is, is in this book for a purpose and it's all spiraling towards this this horrific cosmic deity at the end of the universe that's just trying to fuck up everybody's day and you need to read it i, I don't the know what else thing i love about it is is he talks about god a lot in the book but it's not like the judeo-christian god you know it's, it's no it's like the, the cosmic it's like the cosmic being responsible for it all but you know but uh miguel is a christ-like figure Yes, yeah, so absolutely. Because he's almost literally crucified. Mm-hmm, there, there's sure. a point in the book where, and 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 Ito also breaches the bounds of time and space. Like characters enter a different timeline in this book. I'm not going to say anything more, but um, reality is very very malleable in this in this this sensor. It's it's insane. Uh, I, I think it's Ito at the peak of his prowess. It's it was profoundly disturbing to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean it it's I, I don't know that I've taken the time to consider where I would rank it among the Ito books, but I I uh I thought it was excellent. I, I liked it a lot more than the last one I read, um whose name escaped me right now. But uh but I, I I definitely thought this one was terrific. And like I said, I mean it, it felt like a didn't quite feel like an anthology, but but it definitely felt like it was. I think it uh, is. Yeah, but I mean, it's like it felt like it was ch- each chapter was like adjacent to the others, and certainly there's a there's there's a, a creative continuity among them. Um, but but it like I said, it, it 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 wasn't like it wasn't like one idea. He he was you know playing each chapter is it's it's kind of it's got its own like sub 
subgenre right, of right. thoughts, right? You know, like but he was it, trying to work through different ideas and thoughts about these concepts in each chapter, uh, which which I think is is interesting. Like it's it's this book felt to me like Ido was working through his own. Um, his own questions and consternations about the meaning of life. Sure, and, and and I don't think they're at the end of the 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 work. I don't think they're all good because right, right. There, there's a um, a a question of free will in this book that's constantly slapped down. Like Kyoko has no recourse but to go to. Um, the Mount Sigoku. She's she's she has to do it. She's compelled. She's an orphan, which cuts. Uh, I think the fact that he made her an orphan is is very uh, uh, important to the book because it just cuts the the uh, strands of what came before. Like she has no past life, and she's compelled to go to this mountain. Um, even Wataru, the the um, the reporter. He, he he's powerless. He needs to follow her, even though his life is at stake. He needs to 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 secure this woman. He doesn't know why. He just needs to know he does it. Even the the uh, professor's son, uh, Yukio, he gets so totally obsessed with Kyoko that you see what happens. He turns into a fucking cloud of of um, <laughs> of neurons. He's a sentient cloud of neurons. Like, okay, yeah. I just think it doesn't doesn't speak well to the concept of free will. Like these people, their 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 end paths are preordained in this book, and even to the point where Kyoko goes to the past and whatever happens happens. Um, I, I just think that it it it's it it's he makes me feel. That um, Ito believes that our destinies are preordained, and there's not a whole lot we can do to change it. That is very disturbing to me. Yeah, it's not a view that I share, but it is one that I I do appreciate because I have thought of it, like thought about the right what, what the implications of that would mean. Um, like if the if the majority of, of of human beings believed that. That that there that everything was preordained. Imagine the chaos that would be, I'm, be reality. I'm very glad you used that word because the cross on which Kyoko is tied when um, the uh, the antagonists, the Indigo Shadow, when they capture her, the the peak of the 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 structure on which he's tied is a chaos symbol. Mm. Yes. There's a there's a lot on which to chew in this book. And and it's it's not light reading. It's not gonna make you feel good at the end. It's uh but I think it's it's a very, very important book and I think you should read it. Um Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah it's uh, you're gonna really have to immerse yourself in this book. And you're not gonna come out clean it it's going to scar mm-hmm. scar you in some way and that's the joy of key, of uh junji ito right why would i want to read something that i've read a thousand times before this is an existential eruption that just questions everything 
I love an existential eruption. Look at you. Yeah. It's, 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 but it's, uh, on, I don't want to say unfortunately, but curiously, it's the, it has the least page count, I think, of most of the Junji Ito works released to date. It's a thin little thing. And by thin, I mean like 200 pages. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, yeah. uh, it's not going to kill you to read it. I think you should. Uh, it, it'll, it'll shatter the foundations on which you've built your, your, to- your existence. <laughs> Dude, he, he is so prolific. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, it's really, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to like even conceptualize how prolific dude is. Yeah. And, and when faced with concepts like this, those, those goofy little words that we use, they usually fail. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just read it. And, and then we'll, you know, we'll talk about it on the Slack or uh, on the Facebook because that's where we reside. Yeah. I'm trying to think, uh, was the first thing that, I'm trying to think the first time I heard about Ito, if it was you talking about Gyo. Probably, not. yeah. yeah. I w- I w- I would, I'm pretty sure Gyo was the first one that I, um, I brought to the show. Mm-hmm. And Chris wasn't having it. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was that, 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 that yeah. Right? yeah. He's like, no, no, son, not doing it. It's okay. He's what good. was the name of the one I didn't care for? The last, it was like last year. Uh, I think it was even that long ago. I think it was Venus. Venus. I don't, I don't think he cared for that one. I don't think it was Love Sickness. Was it that one? That was it. Yeah, yeah, Love Sickness. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was the, yeah, yeah. That was the one that came out before this one. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah and it was the last one because the one before that was Romina, and I loved Romina. Yeah. Yep. I have them all, and I would I would cut a bitch. Trying to take the books off my Ito shelf. You ain't touching them. <laughs> All right. That's the shelf you're running out of the house with when it's on fire. Um, <laughs> no, I'm taking the Amazing Spider-Man long box. But other than that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, yeah, and that's a revelation because uh, over the Fantastic Four long box, yeah, I think I would take the Amazing Spider-Man one. You you have uh, you have cut out your obsession with the fantastic four like a like a tumor you know me i i no remorse i'm done yeah no regrets dude no no regrets all right uh, do we have anything else or we're just going to swing this puppy home you're on a tight ship these days i'm just saying we have other things to talk about but i want to hear them like if you got if you got topics, let, let's let yeah, them fly. Because well, I want to, I, I want to, I want to include this with the sensor talk because, um, so the, um, like I said, I want, I was trying to, I'm really trying to, uh, to read about read some horror, right? And speaking of Edo, I know we talked about the dissolving classroom uh, in the past. I don't remember uh, how long ago it was we talked about it, but we did talk about it. That's another Edo book. But if you do the searching on the Googles for best horror comics of all time, uh, you know, you're going to get a wide list because there's been a lot of horror comics. Uh, But I would say that one of the books that is on quite a few of the lists, I would say, is one of the most frequently cited is The Drifting Classroom by Kazuo Umez. So my first question is, Vince, have you talked about this book before? No, because I haven't read it. 
Okay, good. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to mention this book, and then it's like, I've fucking talked about it three times. No, no, I've never read this. Okay. So I saw, and I was like, and also by Viz, also brought over here by Viz, uh, but it's, like I said, it's called The Drifting Classroom, and it's by Kazuo Umez, U-M-E-Z-Z. Like many manga, and unlike Ito, which is one of the reasons I'm I'm so much more um, plugged in with Ito, is, you know, Ito is the rare manga creator who creates relatively small works, standalone works, and then moves on. Um, This is not that. Uh, This is... uh, there's many volumes of this. Uh, I read the first volume, uh, which is, uh, I'm going to say, let me look here. I'm going to say five, 600 pages. Let me look. Um, oh, my 743 pages. Uh, and I think, I, I think there's at least six volumes. I, I, so we're talking thousands and thousands of pages, but like I said, this, this just kept getting mentioned. It's like, Oh, if you want to read some horror comics, like you got to read the drifting classroom. And I thought, okay, well, let me, let me bust it out and read the drifting classroom. Um, it is fucking bananas, dude. Uh, it, it is, it is bananas. And I know people are like 700 pages. Not, and, and believe me, it goes fast. It, it's not the kind of work that you need to, th- these are not word balloon heavy pages, panels, every one of them. Uh, it's more of a vibe. You can, you can read through that pretty quickly. You know, that it's, it's not something that you're going to get bogged down on really have to dissect each, each panel for what it is. And, and, the narrative isn't hard to follow, but the premise is, is, is like, like many horror premises, it's fairly simple. And I should mention, this is an old thing. This, this, um, this was serialized in Shonen Jump, uh, from 1972 to 1974. Uh, and then has been repurposed and published as uh, standalone stuff for, for many, in many, many ways over many, many years. And I posit there are 11 volumes of this. So Jesus. Okay. Um, but the the premise is that um, a middle school in Japan um, gets disappears and gets shifted into a post apocalyptic hellverse hellscape, um, and and nothing else goes with them. So suddenly there is a school full of precocious youngsters and their administrators and teachers, and they are stuck in a completely unlivable. Uh, hellscape with no means to survive or uh, sustain or protect themselves. <laughs> so um, for those of you that we've often talked about our mutual love for the mist, picture the mist if it was set in a classroom instead of a grocery store and was full of school children instead of adults. And you get that. And um, much like The Walking Dead, although the monsters and the hellscape are certainly a component of the danger and the fear. The real issue is the absolute depths of depravity and desperation that the average human will get to very quickly when put into a stressful situation. Because you've got the lunch man, uh, not the lunch lady, but the lunch man who uh, is it, who basically becomes a homicidal maniac protecting the food for himself. You've got a principal who becomes uh, a total creep show. You've got uh, other teachers who are become homicidal trying to thin out the herd because there's not enough uh, resource to keep everyone alive and they want to give themselves a better chance. 
and you've got lots and lots of little kids trying to figure out like what the fuck's going on and they're little kids so they don't really have much of a means to effectively defend themselves or function and it's just story after story in this world and the fact there are 11 volumes baffles me because like i said i read 740 pages of this and it's like incessant never-ending depression like 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 there's no there is no inclination that there's any hope for this kids in this 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 school like it's like just every turn is a new thing that's gonna kill them or scares them or makes it impossible for them to move on it's like i would imagine over the 11 volumes they maybe are there's some kind of arc where they find some way to start existing and thriving i don't know but uh but man oh man this is not the kind of book that you want to be in the headspace of any kind of depression. You got to go in on a Saturday when you had a good week at work, got some nice cafefe, maybe you had some morning <laughs> sex, you're feeling good about life. Oh my God. You're sitting out in the bright sun of your great room with, with no care in the world, and then you read this because this will pull you down to the depths if, uh, if you didn't. Um, so, yeah, man, like I. Like I said, I don't I don't know enough about what comes in the next ten volumes to tell you where this goes and and how much it changes or how long you should give it. Uh, I I personally don't think I'll be reading more, not because I didn't really like this, but because you know it's I'm not exactly a a manga fiend, and I feel like I've just devoured a thousand pages of manga in two in a two week period, which is a lot for me, and I'm pretty proud of myself, pat myself on the back here. So I don't know that I'm gonna my itch is scratched for a while. But uh, yeah, man, like uh, this, I'm surprised you haven't read any of it because, like I said, it's from the 70s and, and it definitely is oft revered as, as a as a classic horror manga. But uh, yeah, it's 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 I don't know, dude. It's it's I keep saying it's baffling. It's just baffling because there is no obvious heroic arc here, right? Like, at least not yet. Yeah. No, I was. Uh, I don't know if Viz has uh, published this in like deluxe editions. Well, this is a uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a hardcover. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a square bound hardcover with uh, a really nice. It's not, uh, you know, really nice um, cover with spot varnish for the label. It's it's yeah, it's beautiful. You know, so you, does, they, they yeah, you right. probably read three volumes then. That's what I'm thinking, right? Like, yeah, I don't. This this is probably multiple of the Tonkaban, right? Like this. Yeah. Is, this is uh, well, the deluxe editions, yeah. Let me see. Yeah, let me let me just take a look. Maybe I can see it on find on Amazon. I would. No, it, it's one of the things I've always wanted to read. But um, yeah, when do you get a chance to just like binge eleven volumes? Of oh, stuff? so to your point, yeah. So there are three volumes of this. Nice. So I've I must yeah. So I've read effectively one third. So let's say like three and a half, four volumes of it. So uh, of the of the eleven. So that's cool. It makes me feel better. Okay. Maybe I will read the second and the third then, then to see. I, now, now I'm like thinking it because the journey seems more attainable. <laughs> Jap- the, the Japanese do despair really, really well. My gods, right? Hey, well, look at all they've endured. So, oh, yeah, that's fast. Yeah. Stands to read. At, at our hands, sadly. For it's it. true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, if you enjoyed this, please traipse on over to uh, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, and uh twitter because we're there and we also have a patreon page patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics you will see all of the stuff on offer and uh pretty soon jason's going to decide when this is going to happen we're going to open up the floodgates so you can see everything that our patrons see and then you can decide oh, I, well i just i'm deciding when that's going to happen well yeah you're the 
you're the Patreon boss, aren't I you? I thought, but I thought it was your idea. We agreed that it was going to be December for like holidays, like. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, December. So December, and when Jason decides in December when we're going to do it, <laughs> that's our Christmas present to you. And you'll see everything. You'll be able to just wallow in the uh, the uh, depravity that is eleven o'clock comics. Um, and remember. If you want to get your books, get them fast and delivered right to your door. There's only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Write these down. From Vault, we ride Titans, number one, will cost you $1.99. Carl Slominski, what, what? Cult of Icarus, number one, from Scout, is $2.39. And from Seven Seas, to continue the uh, manga train, Common Writer Classic Manga Collection Hardcover, a whopping 800-plus pages for $23.09. In your travels, I have a twofer, if that's okay. If that's okay, he says. Yeah. You're so pretty. Because we re- at, thanks to Jason, we have our very first Viz-O-Rama. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And now, thanks to me, we have a Vault-O-Rama. Because I have two books from Vault Comics that I found particularly compelling. The first of which is called Dead Box. Remember? I pushed this book on the uh, Spotlight Special. Dead Box number one was written by Mark Russell. He of Flintstones fame. With art by Ben Tizma, Color art by Vladimir Popov. So what is Dead Box about? Well, it's essentially a, an anthology. There is a um, top-level narrative that is intersected by a recurring Twilight Zone-ish sub-narrative, if you want to call that. Um, it, it takes place in a, in a town called Lost Turkey. Midwest, nothing really going on there. Um from what I can perceive, the main character is a young lady named Penny. And she has stayed home from college uh, this semester to take care of her father. Her father is very, very sick. Uh, Her father is also the owner of a local business. It's like a a convenience store. And situated in said convenience store is a dead box, which is a red box box that distributes movies, but in this case, the dead box features movies that no one has ever heard of before. In fact, even when they search for them, like on IMDb, nothing comes up. Like, these movies are totally unique, totally, they have no renown at all, and yet they appear, there's no trace. They appear in this dead box. So people rent these movies, and, you know, whatever. Um... That's where the sub-narrative comes in, because Penny pulls a, mo- a movie from the dead box, and it's called The Lonely Planet, and it's the tale of humanity's first uh, interaction with an alien species, and it has an O. Henry-type ending. So, uh, again, like the uh, Dirtbag Rapture, the possibilities for this series are endless. You can get Penny's narrative which is the top level. And you can get these recurring um, movie pastiches tucked in amidst the main narrative. I think it's a great start. So that's Dead Box number one. Also from Vault is Human Remains number one, which was written by Peter Milligan, a name you should know. 
with art by Sally Cantrino, color art by Dirbla Kelly. Um, I, I think the conceit in this book you've experienced before in other uh, media. Uh, it's the story of, of, of a couple, Dax Martin and Bisa Williams. And uh, the world in which they reside, public displays of emotion are forbidden. Joy, love, sadness, uh, despair, eh, laughter, any kind of extreme emotion is forbidden. Why? Because when one does so, a portal opens up and something emerges from the portal that will rip you to shreds. So um, you've seen a bunch of horror movies lately where sound triggers the antagonists or or emo- it, it, it's a fairly well trod trodden trod um conceit but in this book it's it's done really really well because um imagine if you will a world where you couldn't laugh in public or give your buddy a pat on the back or you know just dance for no reason at all or sing or 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 just cry because uh, something will emerge and the, and the something reminds me of um Jack Skellington's dog from Nightmare Before Christmas that the head of Jack Skellington's dog with uh, a a menagerie of of bone-like structures with pointy uh ends and tendrils that just emerges from this portal and just shreds your very being so that's that's the premise of this human remains. How do you live in a world where any kind of emotion is forbidden? And and there's a neat little, uh, it's uh, Milligan slams at home. Like there's this guy who lives with you know his wife, and he's just like one day he's just like fuck it, I cannot stand this, I can't take not being able to to show emotions. He walks out into the street and starts just like screaming, just displaying emotions. And this thing comes out and just rips him apart. And his wife is standing there amidst the remains of her husband. The the streets are covered in blood and she cannot react because if she does, she's going to join him in death. Uh, It's a cool little series, first issue. Uh, I liked it a lot. I think the series has a lot of uh, promise. And I think you should look into it. Human Remains, number one, and uh, Dead Box, number one. Really, really good stuff from Vault. Check them out. So now we have our first vault Rama. Look at you. Yeah. Uh, in your travels, um, yeah, I don't really... I'm going to say, um, do what I did and, because it ain't over yet and it's still a crazy fucking ride. Catch up on vinyl. Hmm. as hell. I had to go back and reread the first issue because of the way, the way it's laid out. And it's, it's, it's done incredibly well. It's, it's a smart book. Um, but there were, because it's been a minute since we read that first issue preview, um, I thought I could get by on that, but things have happened with, uh, Walter's going through some shit and Walter's introduced this to his friends that he made along the way. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 
it's something that even when so when it does wrap up i probably will take the time to um reread it from start to finish but i mean it it it's it looks great i mean the art is fantastic um thank god for color because it, there's a whole lot of red but it is it's truth it's um i i think i might like it a little bit more than plastic i'm with you on that yeah i'm with you guess who my favorite characters are uh not the twins oh the twins definitely the twins <laughs> i, I freaking love the twins um in case you're not reading vinyl there is a walter corrals all of his serial killer friends to help him assault the compound and there's a pair of twins that are obsessed with horror films yes to the point where they have no greater desire than to live out their lives or, or, or their demise in a horror film and it may or may not happen <laughs> oh God. yeah it's it nuts it's, it's it's an insane book but it's yes, a great please. series yeah. it really is it it's uh yeah it's it's something that uh i'll appreciate as the years go on but no definitely catch up on it, it is it five or six issues i think it's i don't know I don't want to say. I, mean, I don't know. We could be wrapping up with the fifth. It it, it feels like it could. Be yeah, funny, it's. But it, it, there, you finish an issue and you're like, I, I want. You know, you can't. You can't believe that's all you got. It, there's just so much. It's just there's. Yeah. Seriously. So it, that, I mean, as long as you're not a prude and you're not squeamish. Definitely oh, check de- out final. Yeah, there's a, a Countess Bathory like character in the book that uh, she needs to bathe in the blood of her victims. <laughs> It's just, it's ridiculous. Oh, ridiculous. Yeah, Such it really. But the thing I love about this series is it 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 imparts a little bit of humanity to these mm-hmm. depraved killers. Like, yeah. what I I never thought I would feel anything for Walter, but the the thing that kicks in, you know, I don't want to reveal it, but just read the series. But there's something that happens. That reveals why Walter is so obsessed with music. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it kind of heartbreaking it's, having lived it. it. It's yep, it's kind of yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it it it, def- it it sneaks up on you. You know, you think you're just you're getting a straightforward, you know, just gory and violent for the sake of it. But there's that yeah. there's actual. You can you can feel something for some of these characters because it is so well done and they're despicable. But there's a there's a like I said there's a humanity. Uh, injected into the the proceedings that's uh, um, very very uh, unexpected and and welcome. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, everyone is someone's child. But yeah, it's definitely. true. Check it out in your travels vinyl. You just like to kill people. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, those of you astute uh, listeners who remember that I introduced myself as Sardath can probably guess what my in your travels is going to be, <laughs> and that is Strange Adventures, which. Uh, finished up a few weeks back uh, with number 12 as uh, I, I, I guess when uh, at some point hopefully many many years from now when uh, when uh, Tom King is uh, pushing daisies on his epitaph someone will say like the master of the 12 issue mini because uh, it seems like that's that's become his his uh, calling card and um, I think with good reason He's got this this structure now where he takes a character that uh, you know I wouldn't say is D 
D-list, but certainly he's an A-list, and he he tries to make uh, a story around them that uh, you know that, that is at a level of quality and importance that had never been done before. And if you guys remember, we've had Tom on the show a lot, but uh, when he was in the middle of his Batman run, we had him on, and he had said very uh, in a moment perhaps of uh, of, of candor that his goal was to um, to do just this that he he. He made an allusion to the fact that, like, you know, um, he wanted to have, like, uh, so many of the great characters had been done so masterfully that uh, to try and make your mark in those is hard to do. But uh, but there are lots of other characters that really haven't had their magnum opus. And so he had hoped to be able to to knock a few of those out over his career. And I think he's well on his way. Uh, this book, of course, was drawn by Doc Shaner and Mitch Garrods and... Um, you know, the cool thing about it is I have to say, like, I mean, um, this isn't the first time you've had alternating artists that, but, but it it really is impeccable. I mean, all 12 issues are drawn by the two guys and, and it's with purpose. They, uh, Mitch draws all of the, uh, flashback sequences of when, um, when they're fighting the picked war. Uh, no, no, no. Mitch, Mitch draws the uh, the Earth. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, correct. Uh, Doc draws all of the the, the, the stuff when they're on Ram. Yeah, and uh, and Mitch draws everything when they're uh, well. They're not just on Earth, but Mitch draws everything in the that that's currently happening in 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 uh, in real time, and um, and it just works so well uh, because. They are both very precise. I mean, Mitch is the reigning two-time Eisner winner for Best Artist. So, but but Mitch has got that, you know, that slightly out of focus, shady uh, layering he does, and it's a little grimy and grittier. And and uh, you know, Doc is just this pulled out of time, forty years later, classic silver golden age, bold black perfect lines you know it's just it, it, like aesthetically it, it really works but but uh I, I thought it was a masterpiece man and it's an in your travel so i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna go deep here but i i really did think it was phenomenal and um I, for me I, I think it's just reading tom's stuff uh as one story um just works for me more and uh, i had read the first issue of this and then decided to wait for the rest so they just been piling up and then when the 12th issue hit i pulled them to the top of the regina and said all right I, now it's done i'm going to go and give this a read uh i will be doing the same with rorschach probably soon if, if this weekend if not a couple you know maybe next week but um yeah i just i mean you know tom with each of his series he tries to take a look at some issue that i think plays into his own subconscious and in this it's about uh politics and pr and shaping the narrative and the idea of war being uh definitely in the eye of the beholder and uh three sides to every story uh he deals with war crimes in this book and ultimately it's an examination of 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 war and the cost of war um and that really there are no winners and ultimately you have to make really morally bankrupt decisions and and trade-offs to quote-unquote win uh it's just not possible to come out clean you you can't do it like history books will will paint a much rosier picture but but if you're in one it it, there is no 
no one's purely heroic. Um, you may be heroic to your your side and to your cause, but uh, but in doing so, you likely have done some pretty reprehensible things to uh, to make that happen. And um, you know, Tom's work isn't for everyone because he he definitely has a tendency, and he does in this book to tear down the uh, pristine image of a lot of our heroes. Uh, and you know, if you haven't read this yet i mean this is not a book that leaves you feeling great about adam strange right i mean this isn't a he doesn't have a you know like and and again how much of this is going to be in continuity i don't i don't know and and i don't think it really matters but but for sure uh tom's view of adam strange and if you if this isn't continuity you're you, adam strange is basically ruined as a as a as a hero uh, it, it, there's no i don't think there's any coming back from it um, and the other thing is, is, I will say, and and maybe this will be a bold statement, but this is easily the best portrayal of of Mister Terrific ever. Um, I thought that the way that he portrayed him, both in terms of his own moral choices, his own motivations, and even his ticks of of we know that the Mister Terrific's this super smart guy and he's got the T spheres, but. In this book, every time you see Terrific, the T-Spheres are basically just bombarding him with the most obscure uh, quizzes. Like, they're just quizzing him on everything and everything. And so, like, in the middle of Mr. Terrific fighting aliens, he's being asked, like, you know, deep-diving historical trivia uh, just to keep his mind sharp. And I just thought that was such a great conceit to show how this guy's mind is just working overtime and thinking about a trillion things at all times. And I just love this book, man. And and the, the pages are just unbelievably gorgeous it's 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 i think it's, it was a it was a as good a a a uh a 12 issue maxi series as 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 there has been um i'd put it up there with any of his previous work and and i probably liked it more than than like even vision i i think it was it was better it had a, a better story to tell um and uh yeah, it was awesome i i've I've always um, this is probably my I agree with you on the Mr. Terrific um, it's you know when it comes to the Silver Age characters um, Adam Strange wasn't necessarily my go-to there are plenty of other space-faring heroes uh, for DC so I never really I was always like oh okay cool you know Adam Strange is in this issue or whatever but uh it was he wasn't wishy-washy but he was a character who just never really did anything for me so his portrayal in this book didn't really rub me the wrong way if if you know if tom decided to write a story about hal or or any other Mm -hmm. silver age character that i'm a fan of um i'd probably be feeling some kind of way but i was okay with the portrayal of adam and olivia and, and alana and the um it's there is definitely and I, I texted Tom when I finished it and I, I I told him I loved the story, it was great. Um but there is a larger thing about the series that we can get into at, at a later date, but um but yeah, I I um I'm I'm glad he got to tell the story. I'm, I'm I'm glad it wrapped up. It the the consistency was a huge bonus. Um, so I wasn't concerned about 
the delays or anything because you know this the story is the story is fine on its own and when when, when all said and done when you do get down and read it you know no one's going to care about any of the delays or anything i mean there was a um there's it's it's a story that can kind of be told this particular volume can kind of be told anytime there isn't a whole lot in it that is specifically speaks to the current day or, or climate so um it was uh no i i'll i'll i'll, I'll co-sign what you're saying Well, there you go. Wrapping it all up nice and tidy. I got to finish the series. I didn't do it yet. But, uh, hey, uh, please come with us to Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and Twitter. Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We are there all the time. The Slack is bumping. Everybody has a good time. Find out how you can get to that on the Patreon page. In the meantime... Do yourself a huge favor. Come back next time because we're going to have something really special for you. Next time's book of the month, right? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the 28th. Yeah. yeah. Re- very special book of the month. That's all I'm going to say because I don't want to spill the beans. I ain't cleaning the carpet. In the meantime, say good night. I think this is appropriate. Oops. For the the Halloween month. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. David. Chase us. Good night. I don't have anything to... Shit fell off my shelf like crazy. Bruh. I know, right? I think you're cheating. How am I cheating? I don't know. I'll figure it out. I don't have a toy or anything, so it's not David. That's not my fault. I have a shock monster keychain, the very shock monster that I have tattooed on my arm that fell from Freddy's hand, and it just went nuts, bounced all over the place. I guess we'll give that to you. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Appreciate you. It's the Halloween month. I'm in... I'm very jocular. Yes, so. you're very giving mood. Indeed. Yeah. So get out of here. Go home. Have a good time. We love you so much. Be back here for the next episode. Say goodbye, gentlemen. Peace, yo. Peace and love. That's it for that one.